Hey everybody, welcome back to Bloody Angola Podcast, 142 years in the making. Complete story of America's bloodiest prison. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And we are back for part two. Right. All Charlie, about Charlie Frazier. Charlie Frazier. And then y'all, we're telling this story and it's a crazy, it's like the baddest what, dude ever. Absolutely. Right. And we're in the meat and potatoes of it now. Right. Um, the the part one, if you hadn't heard it, go listen to it, yes. please. Yes. But uh, it was the setup for what's about to take place. And when we left you last time, we had told you about Hinch Giles, who mm-hmm. was a police officer that was shot and killed while uh, pulling someone over. Um, in Texarkana. In Texarkana. And, and uh getting a bottle of booze yes and uh and so of course this was back in prohibition times when uh that was illegal you couldn't have no booze and they were struggling to find who did this and a major break came in that case in 1928 it was january police captured an escape felon now his name was eldridge robinson johnson but he was also known as Charlie Frazier, yeah. who had several names over his career. Right. Now, we're going to blow your mind with this guy's story. Yeah. So buckle up and get ready. Now, Frazier's story started long before that Giles murder, y'all. In fact, his initial run-in with the law was actually about a decade earlier in 1916, That's December. And uh, in that year and and month, he was sentenced to three years in jail for robbery. Now, during his time in prison, he wasn't what you would call a model prisoner. He wasn't exactly a trustee, would he? No, no. (laughs) He, he, uh, I mean, he was during his time in in the prison. He was involved in a couple fights, and he escaped on three different occasions, y'all. Three different times. Wrap your mind around that. Right? And he served his entire term and then some and was released on February 23rd of 1920. And much later in life, uh, Frazier claims that he was jailed for the crime that he did not Oh, of course. A lot of of them claim that. You got me bad, Sarge. Yeah, you got me bad. But, you know, the amazing thing about even early in his life, now that was three different escapes – and and he escaped. It wasn't an escape attempt. He right. actually escaped right. three different times. Once you escape once, it it's really hard to do it again because right. they they pretty much know you're pretty good at it. He he was already um, uh, you know someone with three escapes under his belt, and he he ended up cleaning cleaning up his act a little bit, uh, at least on paper. Let's say he wasn't caught doing anything. Uh, until May of 1926, and that was just two months prior, y'all, to what we told you in the last episode about the Giles murder. Right. He was jailed again when he convicted, a, uh, he committed a robbery in Jefferson, Texas, uh, and was sent to what was known as Ferguson Prison Farm in Midway, Texas. He was sentenced to 25 years plus another eight for a separate burglary and another five for stealing a car. And I'm just going to read you 
uh, kind of the headline from that time, and it said 38 years given to men on man on three guilty pleas. A total of 38 years in the penitentiary was imposed on pleas of guilty entered by Charlie Frazier, who has been held in jail for a long period. He was charged with robbing the TMP station and got 25 years. Eight years were added for breaking into a garage and five more for stealing an automobile. That's crazy, y'all. And, and so the Ferguson, Texas uh, unit um, is in Midway, Texas, and Frazier escaped just over a month later, all right, after he got wow. there on July 11, 1926. And this would, this was, would uh, be his fourth escape, y'all, from prison. Now, Jim said once is hard, twice is you know, harder. harder, four <laughs> times is almost impossible, you, right. would, you would think, right? But he and another escapee, Harvey Ennis, returned to Midway. That's that's the uh, prison, y'all, on July 22nd in a plot to free six additional convicts. What? It, right? And Ten days it, after, it, he after he escapes. After he escapes, he, he basically is breaking back into the prison to get these other cats <laughs> out. So during the escape, prison guard Will Raider was killed, and Frazier oh. and Ennis were successful in freeing the other six convicts. Then there's no proof as to who killed the uh, correctional officer, but it, it was later reported that Charles Stoney Frazier was the shooter. Stoney, and then they um, we have a little newspaper. Heading, if you will, in here it says posses of officers on trail of eight desperate fugitives in prison break. So, Frazier was on the run for a few months and was finally captured in Columbia, Tennessee, on October 11, 1926. And he was then sent to the more secure Texas State Prison in Huntsville, and yeah. that's where, that's where they still kill him today, right? Yeah, that's big boy um, prison now. He was uh, back to serving his original 25-year plus 13-year sentence for the armed robbery in Jefferson, Texas. But there's no mention of his escape or the murder charges or additional um, – there's no mention that he got any more time for those offenses. Yeah, right? yeah, which is which is kind of odd just uh, back – you know, some of it's back in the in those days in record-keeping. Well, they, even thinking about the, their the, – they had him in prison under the name Charlie Frazier. That yep. wasn't even his real name. Right. It's Elridge, right? Yep. So the, the Texas State Prison in Huntsville, after being jailed uh, for just over a year, on October 13, 1927, Frazier and four other inmates, including a convicted murderer, Milk Good, tunneled, tunneled, <laughs> y'all, out of the Huntsville prison, and this is his fifth escape. Uh, crazy. Their freedom didn't last long, and they were trailed by bloodhounds and quickly captured and sent back to the prison the next day. Right? It's crazy. Yeah, that is five, five escapes. Five Keep keep count, people. Yeah, yeah. So then, um, again, another year later, on December twenty sixth, nineteen twenty seven, he and two others sawed through the bars of their cell in the hospital ward. And then made their way to the electrical boxes where they cut the power to the prison, darkening the entire the entire place at 4.30 a.m. Then they used a rope ladder to climb over the walls to freedom. Escape number six. With a rope ladder. Right? And, and after just four days on the run, on December the 30th, 
the men were captured in Linden, Texas, and they were held in the local jail as they prepared to be transferred back to Huntsville. Wow. Well, and and, and we have a um, headline that says, Three Men Who Robbed Stucky Store Are Arrested in Linden. And so this is from the Longview, Texas News Journal, December 31st, 1927. says, On January 2nd, 1928, the men and their guard boarded a train for Huntsville. The trio was allegedly handcuffed together when they attacked the prison guard and knocked him unconscious. Ooh. Right? They grabbed his guns and gra- grabbed his gun and keys and held the other passengers at bay. After unlocking their handcuffs, they pulled the emergency cord and jumped from the train. <laughs> Escape number seven. Right, and and within a day, one of the prisoners was already back in custody, but Frazier and one other remain free that is absolutely so you get you you escape they Seven, capture you yeah. they're bringing right. you back he and you escape again, again on the way That's number seven number seven so i don't you know y'all when you've escaped six times you would think they would have 90 right. police officers around you yeah. and you'd be right. chained to right. the train have one of those big old 50 pound balls type chain in your legs yeah. and you can run or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it, you know, in that situation, he was handcuffed to another prisoner right. and they still right. escaped. Right. Pretty crazy. So, uh, so he escapes, but, uh, uh, you know, there's a manhunt for him. And we're going to read you a quick little article here. It says Hodskins, which was the guy he was handcuffed to, right. captured while hiding in an old house. W. Hoskins. Escaped convict who was recaptured Monday after knocking a guard unconscious and stopping the train was captured by Sheriff Brown of Anderson County and his deputies while he was hiding in an old house in which he had taken shelter from the cold. So right. they got one of them, but but guess what? They still didn't have yeah, Charlie have Frazier. So that was on January 3rd of 1928. About a week later, Frazier was asleep in an automobile in Louisville, Arkansas. Uh, When a deputy approached him, the two traded multiple gunshots before the deputy captured the escaped convict. On him, Frazier carried a weapon marked Texas State Prison, which they were able to tie back to the guard from the train. That's crazy. So guess what? He goes back to jail and, um, and you know, so at this point they've caught both of these escaped convicts. They, they finally put him, um, put him back in prison. And on January 10th, uh, of 1928, uh, Lewis, Louisville, which is about 30 miles east of Texarkana, uh, is where Charlie Frazier was located. And he was taken to the Miller County Prison on that January 10th. He he makes a claim there. He tells them, and this, y'all, this is before driver's license right. were a thing. You, Even fingerprints. And you could yeah. fake it. And, yeah. you know, he claims his name is Clarence Atkins, even though, and they did take his fingerprints right. and they figured out, wait a minute, this is Charlie right, Frazier. Right. And this is back it's, in it, days it, where it, they're matching right. them they had up. They to do it so many points by magnifying glass. It's not like now they have <laughs> APHIS where, you know, this all computerized. Yeah, you upload it in you two had seconds. You have a. a Charlie Frazier's card to match it to. Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, now, dur- it was during this investigation of Charlie Frazier when they were trying to figure out who he was and all that, that police were informed that Frazier told another cellmate that he killed Giles right. when he was on the run previously. If you look back at the dates, Frazier was on the run for another escape when Giles was murdered. Right. So uh, Dobson's attorneys, which Dobson was the one they were trying to say, uh, murdered uh, Officer Giles. Dobson's attorneys added that the fingerprints on the whiskey jar that was being examined by Giles contained the fingerprints that matched Frazier's. So while in jail in Texarkana, witnesses, including the Texarkana police officer Moses Letcher, identified Charles as being in the area during the murder and being connected to the vehicle that was used to escape the scene. So they figure all that out. They get some evidence, and he gets officially charged with Giles' murder on January 28th. 1928 and uh this was a big deal so the paper comes out and they have a big headline it says charge frazier with murder of policeman charlie frazier fugitive from the texas state penitentiary at huntsville today was formally charged with the murder of hench giles uh and so you know now you're you're starting to tie in the hint the whole hench giles thing to um to all of this. I also, like I told you, the eyewitness testimony is not always reliable. And in spite of the circumstantial evidence mounted against Frazier, several witnesses that were called to the stand during the preliminary trial said they, that they could not positively identify Frazier as a shooter. And uh, still, he was held in custody, right? So the I'm going to read you a little article um, from the Abilene Reporter, and it says, headlines say, State Hits Snag in Frazier Case. Texarkana, February 2nd. State attorneys s- struck a snag in the preliminary trial of Charlie Frazier for the slaying of Hintz Giles, Texarkana policeman. Today, when the first six witnesses called failed to identify him as the man seen in an automobile near the spot where Giles fell at the time of the shooting. Giles was slain in July of 1926. Fingerprints connected Frazier with the case, and after he had escaped from the Texas penitentiary at Huntsville, where he had been serving a sentence for another law violation, he was captured at Louisville, Arkansas, and brought here to face the murder charge. It's pretty wow. crazy. But but here we go again. On March 17, 1928, just two months after his capture, Frazier escapes from the Miller County Jail. He and two others saw through the bars of their cell on the third floor and escaped down a, a rope made of blankets. And, y'all, that's escape number eight. Eight. And in the old movies where, where people are uh, sneaking in, Files and the cake or whatever to, to prisoners. That was a real deal. Oh yeah, I mean, it couldn't. I mean, you can saw through it, and that's the way it was. This guy just cannot be kept in right. prison. And they, and look, he's a bad criminal. He right. he he was in a shootout right. with right. police already. And uh, so we're going to read you a headline: Three escape from Texarkana Prison, March seventeenth. 
Three prisoners confined in the Miller County Jail escaped by sawing through the bars of their cell on the third floor and letting themselves down with rope blankets sometime between last midnight and daylight this morning. So actually, that was during the eighth escape. Right, right. Um, how they were, how they obtained the saws is not known. Two of the men, R.B. Critz and John Higgins, were federal prisoners. The former is charged with automobile theft at Nashville, Tennessee, and was in jail waiting on issuance of a removal order to that city, and Higgins was charged with selling narcotics. The third prisoner was Charlie Frazier, a state prisoner who was awaiting trial on a charge of killing policemen, hence Giles, on East Broad Street in 1926. Subsequent to the murder, Frazier was sent to the Texas Penitentiary in Marion County for 25 years for robbery with firearms. He escaped last December and a few weeks later was captured near Leesville, 30 miles east of here and brought here and placed in the jail. So Frazier, uh, you know, is now getting notoriety right. all over the country. Everybody knows right. this guy because he's escaping. He's a master escape artist. Constantly. And a bad dude. Okay, so to tell y'all how he got captured on that escape, Frazier gets captured on July 6th of 1928. So he was actually uh, on the run for several months. Remember, right. he escaped on March, uh, middle of March right. of that March year 17th. in 1928. He gets caught on July 6th. He was in the woods near the Arkansas-Texas border. Now, it's determined that while he was on the run this time, he murdered another Lawman, crazy Constable Roy Selman of Foreman, Arkansas, on June nineteenth. Frazier finally gets captured, and one thing that uh, that the the government figured out real quick was we need to go ahead and try him right. for this stuff before he escapes again. So right. on July seventh uh, uh, of nineteen twenty eight, he gets sent to trial, and with that was within three weeks, Just y'all, fast. of his most recent capture. He took the stand in his own defense and admitted to escaping from Huntsville twice, but he denied the accusations that he killed that prison guard uh, in Midway, and he also denied killing Officer Giles. After a quick trial and deliberation, he gets sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Constable Selman. And he is still at that point awaiting trial for the Giles case. So y'all on December twenty third, nineteen thirty two, Frazier's life sentence for whatever reason is commuted to just twenty one years. And then a week later, Governor Harvey Parnell inexplicably issued a ten day parole for Frazier. That's crazy. Maybe maybe to save him the embarrassment of another escape. I mean, how can you Grant parole to someone who's already escaped prison eight times and, and who's guilty of killing one law enforcement officer convicted for uh, killing Selman and, and still awaiting the trial for uh, the murder of Giles and possibly was involved with the correctional officer's death later when he escaped. But not, not surprisingly, Fraser fails to report after the 10 days and is now declared a fugitive. So <laughs> technically escape number nine. And during this time on the streets, crime in Texarkana spikes and a witness identified Frazier and another man as the men who kidnapped him and stole his car. Let's, you, 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 
all these different arrests when he got in the shootout with the cops and stuff. When he had the state pistol, guess what? That car was stolen too. That's and right. It's not like he, but anyway, uh, um, so still on the run on February 6, 1933, Frazier and two other escapees rob a bank in Plain Dealing, Louisiana. Two of the men were shot in the holdup with one succumbing to his injuries while in the hospital. But again, Frazier avoids capture. It's crazy. Right? So days later, a freak snowstorm and frigid weather did him in. With no place to go, he knocked on the door of a cabin a few miles east of Belcher in Caddo Parish, Louisiana, to see if they would let him in to warm up. The tenant refused and called the police. Footprints in the snow were tracked, and Frazier was back in custody at gunpoint once again. And it was reported that he'd used several aliases over the year, including Ed Johnson, Will Holman, Charles Roberts, Charles Roberts. <laughs> just a ton of them, y'all. And the Charles Robert was actually wanted uh, for bank robbery in Texas in 1925. So they just tracked his footprints through the snow, and there yep. he was. Yep, and then the uh, – so while in prison in the Caddo Parish Jail, Frazier's cell is checked three times per day for any contraband or signs of escape, right? <laughs> I bet. And on one of the checks, they found that he had nearly sawed off the lock of his door cell, coming within an eighth of an inch. And he did it by using a razor blade to slowly cut through the metal. Then he backfilled it with soap to avoid detection. Mm. He's a genius. Got nothing else to do either way, right? Yep. Frazier received another speedy trial and yet another conviction. And on April 12, 1933, he receives 18 to 28 years for the robbery and a life sentence for attempted murder to start at the end of his 18 to 28 year sentence. That's right. So uh, within 30 minutes, y'all, of that verdict, he gets sent from the Caddo Parish Jail, where he was being housed during his trial, right. to Louisiana State Penitentiary in Angola. Mm, bloody Angola. And it was truly bloody Angola then. Yeah, it was. Uh, and so he, you know, poses for his lineup photo, and we're, we're going to post this stuff on the Patreon, right. uh, pictures of, of all kinds of things that we've got our hands on. Photos yes. And you're going to see this guy looks like a convict, right. you know, like badass. I hate to say that, but that's, that's what he looks like. Um, and so he, he is in what was known at that time as the Alcatraz of the South, right. uh, which was bloody Angola. And in yet another daring and brazen escape, Frazier is free again on September 10th of 1933 his 10th escape. escape that's and uh, they can't hold this cat they can't hold him and even bloody angola couldn't hold him right now let me tell you how this went down during a baseball game charlie and 11 other men started firing at the guards that's right and we'll get to how that happened and uh, how they came to have guns in just right. a minute but Two guards were killed and several others were wounded before the convicts busted out of Angola. The two guards that were killed were J.W. Fletcher, who uh, was shot by Frazier, and Arnold Davis. A third captain, John Singleton, was critically wounded and would later die from his injuries. Several convicts were also injured and 
and some were even killed during that escape, the most major escape at Angola up to that point in history. Now, it's later determined that one of the prison guards was helping Frazier by smuggling guns into the prison for the men. Can you believe that? That's good. Insane. Uh, A posse, get this, back in those days, they rounded up a posse. Mm -hmm. A posse of more than 300 men with orders of shoot to kill were sent to capture or kill the escapees. Yes, indeed, y'all. And uh, this so uh, this is a big deal. Three hundred people in Westley Center Parish back then was a lot. Yeah, and and they they weren't playing around. They were going to kill him, right? But that they were mad. I mean, they're they're you know these correction officers got killed because of these assholes. So the um there's another photo we're going to put up for y'all, and it's of the Shreveport Times. It says. The headline is three die in bloody rioting in Angola as 11 escape. And it says pictured at the right is Charlie Frazier, notorious outlaw whose exploits in crime resemble those of pretty boy Floyd and Harvey Bailey. And at left, Henny Henderson, convicted bank bandit who were among the 11 convicts who made their escape from Angola prison form after a bloody gun battle Sunday. So y'all, Several of Frazier's colleagues got got caught shortly after the escape, and many told police that Charlie had been shot in the escape and that gangrene had probably set in by now, and his <laughs> prognosis was not good. One man told investigators that they would have to carry him whenever they moved locations, and that's when they crossed the Mississippi. They put Charlie on a log and pushed him across the river. Um, still, weeks after searching... Charlie remained free, and some reports had him robbing banks in different locations, but none of it was ever corroborated. So you escaped from Angola. Mm-hmm. This is a huge deal. 300 people are chasing you, and this sucker yeah. gets away. Uh, on a log across, across yes. the river. Now, that's that's the other ones that, that they capture y'all were, were saying that. So uh, another, you know, Awesome photo Jim found says Desperado and officers on the hunt. And it's it's got pictures of the posse and all that. So, but finally, on October 13, 1933, Frazier is captured once again. He's limping when he's caught, but certainly not in the condition his fellow prisoners had painted him out to be. He's found in the tiny town of Box Elder. Texas in Red River County after robbing a man at gunpoint and stealing his car. After that car broke down, he attempted to steal another, but police arrested him, y'all. With him, uh, with Frazier, was a young girl named Dorothy Alzada, a.k.a. Dorothy Davis, also a wanted criminal for bank robbery in July 1932. Yeah, so he got him a girlfriend, and and um, and she was also, a, you know, a uh, uh, not a law abiding citizen to say the least, and almost like a Bonnie and Clyde situation right. with the. I mean, two. It's just just a bad dude all the way around. Uh, I don't know how this hadn't been made a movie yet. So another headline it says Louisiana pin fugitive taken Charlie Frazier, one of twelve who escaped last month caught near Clarksville. So. Days later, another Frazier accomplice is captured in Clarksville, and the two men share a cell in the Clarksville prison with Davis and uh, 
Alzada also being held. That's the female. Another trial is held, this time in Paris, Texas, and Frazier again is convicted and sentenced to another 20 years for robbing three stores in Deport, Texas on October the 8th by overtaking the night watchman and tying them to a tree. So he couldn't even stay straight when uh, he, he was, was on the run. He was just I mean, bad seed, man. So uh, on October 9th of 1933, they have a trial and add another 25 years to his already, you know, I'm screwed and always going right. to be in prison sentence. Uh, brings the so- total sentence up to 45 years, and they still had to face more charges in Texas uh, for crimes committed while, uh, you know, Charlie was on the loose. Overall, a total of 70 years was handed down before more charges increased the term to life again. So he ended up uh, having to serve 70 years on three charges plus some some life stuff. Yeah, that's it was, not even related to the charges in Louisiana that he escaped from. Yep, and so you may think, you may wonder, you know, obviously, 10 escapes, he's not going to try to scam, right? right? Well, uh, back in Huntsville, Charlie is undeterred and tries yet again to escape on January, 20, on January 12th, 1934. This time, though, his efforts, along with three others, uh, were stopped, but not before they bound and gagged two guards. They almost got away with it again. Uh Guess what? Two months later, on March 7th of 1934, he's back at it. Charlie and four others try to overpower guards to make an escape. This time, uh-oh, Frazier gets shot and gets right. critically wounded. Got to happen sooner or later. That's right. But Frazier recovers mm. enough, can't kill bad grass. at least so that he can engineer. That's right. Can't kill bad grass. Enough so to engineer yet another escape attempt just four months later on July 22nd of 1934. He and several others, including Raymond Hamilton and Joe Palmer, which were both former members of the Clyde Bearer gang of Bonnie and Clyde, uh, they hold guards at bay while they scale a wall and hop into cars on the other side. Frazier tells the two mobsters uh, to basically go ahead of him over the wall because they were facing the death penalty. What a nice guy. Y'all go ahead. They're trying to kill y'all. Believe it or not, those two escaped just before Frazier was shot and fell from the ladder before getting over the wall. So he made it over the wall. Um, or he, he was shot trying to get over that wall, but the other two made it. And had he not been so nice as to say, you know, yeah, y'all go ahead. He would have gotten over. Now there was a guard by the name of H E George, and he was grazed by a bullet. He avoids serious injury and killed in that botched escape was Whitey Walker, who was another uh, career criminal. You gotta see these pictures of these cats. Yeah, uh, we're gonna definitely upload those. And and there was a a uh, movie known as Over the Wall or a book rather that was released in two thousand. I highly recommend if you're enjoying this story that after you, after you hear it, you go get that book. Right. It's a great book. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. But uh, coincidentally. Uh, on that day of that escape, this will blow your mind. This is the same day that famed gangster John Dillinger is shot and killed outside a theater in Chicago. 
So uh, some timing there on that. Now, in February of 1935, Frazier is said to have blown his top. He started insisting that rats have evaded his cell. He's held on death row. They held him on death row even though he's serving a life sentence because they were freaked out that he was going to escape. And prison officials believe it's a trick in advance of another escape attempt. I would say they were probably on the right trail. He's definitely going to plan it. So um, you might wonder what happened, right, when they escaped from Angola and they killed this correctional officer, et cetera. But so – Frazier is extradited back to Louisiana on October 8, 1936, to face charges of murder for John Singleton during the Angola prison break where three guards died. Governor Alred tells Louisiana officials, take him and welcome. I warn you to watch him. He is unquestionably the toughest man in the Texas penitentiary. Right. Wow. So and then and they have a headline that says Frazier taken to Louisiana. But on October 31st, 1936, the jury is hopelessly deadlocked and cannot come to the verdict. The judge reprimands the jury, saying, I'm astonished and surprised at you. I must say that you have failed to do your duty. Frazier wants to address the jury, but the judge promptly shut him down. <laughs> and as, right, as the men left, Frazier shouted out, I appreciate the fact you men have done what you think is your duty. Right, and Charlie is sent back to Angola to serve his pre-existing term, and while there, he becomes a member of the Red Hat Gang. Mm. This group of incorrigible prisoners is required to wear red straw hats when they work in the fields, and they are housed in the new wing of Angola that was built after the prison break of 1933. And y'all, that's the Red Hat cell block. That's right. About, and basically, it was built for Charlie Frazier. Yep. Yep, it was that escape attempt in, in 1933 that, uh, that, you know, Bloody Angola figured out that we need somewhere to house the worst of the worst right. and keep them away from right. general population. Right. And, and, and marketing them with the red hats is like, genius. These are even, you know, better to really keep your eye on them. Yep. Right? So in August 1938, Fraser again attempts to escape Angola, and guards fire their weapons and then hit him and shattering uh, shattered his shoulder. There's another article, if you will, and it says Charlie Frazier shot in Angola prison break. And it says more charges ends with mistrials. So after an unsuccessful attempt to petition for release or at least a return to Huntsville, Frazier is set to, to remain in Angola in August, 1941, and more charges are brought against him in the killing of two other guards from the Angola escape, Fletcher and Davis. Wow. So and after, after years uh, of delays, Frazier is finally retried for the Angola killings. And again, in November of 1943, the jury is hopelessly deadlocked on a verdict and a mistrial is called. Now, it, yeah, and – you know they they're struggling to get them him mm-hmm. convicted on some things, but important to mention um, there's there's a, a story that Woody and I believe to be true, and that right. is in relation to the Red Hat cell block and some welding that was done on those doors. Yep, they said they said that they yeah. welded Charlie Fraser's cell shut. Uh, yeah. other than the food gap, right? Yeah, when you escape ten times. 
That yeah. makes sense to I me. Mean, I mean, <laughs> you don't need to get out, homie. He's just sitting there and right. That's it. So a third trial for the Angola murder uh, charge in that escape at Angola takes uh, took place after a change in venue to Baton Rouge. So basically, they couldn't get him convicted in, uh, you know, likely in West Feliciana Parish. So they, they figure maybe if we change the venue to Baton Rouge where there's less coverage of it, he yeah. might get convicted. Although Charlie Frazier was, look, he was well-known nationally. Right. So there was no nobody that didn't know who he was. On, but on January 22nd, 1945, he is convicted of murder and sentenced once again to life in prison. The crazy thing about that is he had a co-conspirator and they set his co-conspirator right. free. I must have testified against him. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, but you know what? On Jan- Look, Charlie's getting up there in age, but he says, there ain't no prison that can hold right. me. Right. And on January 22nd of 1945, he has one last escape attempt. Charlie tries to escape from Angola or Actually, it was a little later than that. It was October of 1946. He tries to escape from Angola, and once again, he's shot. So he's getting a little sloppy with his escapes. They're a little slower. Now, this time, he jumps a guard that was transporting him in a truck from the prison hospital back to his camp after a dental appointment. The guard fights Frazier off, then pumps four shots into Frazier's body. An emergency operation likely saved his life. 14 inches of his intestines were removed, and they removed a bullet from his lungs. The doctor said he had been shot so many times in his criminal career that his body looked like a pepper box. That's crazy. Y'all imagine that. Adding that any one of those recent bullets would have killed any ordinary man. Yeah, look, Frazier, for all his faults, was a bad some bitch. I mean, hey, Got to be known for something. Got to go down to history as the baddest dude ever. That's right, and guaranteed everybody at Angola knew it. And he was probably he probably ran that prison like a king. Right. Uh, still, the warden believed that Frazier will try to escape as soon as he's uh, able to walk again. And he's probably right. Yeah, <laughs> I would I would say so. So, you know, Charlie spent some years in jail. And by December of 1953, he applies for clemency. He'd like to have his sentence reduced. He works in the prison making leather goods that he ships to customers. A little bit more on that later. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, he kind of starts showing almost a good side to himself. As part of a fundraiser, as a matter of fact, uh, he agreed to donate 20% of the proceeds to a charity run by the Catholic Daughters of America. He also donates a woman's purse to be auctioned off. Get this. His efforts contributed $500, which was about $5,000 in those days, to the charity. Charlie Frazier was very popular and uh, honestly, he he was really good with making leather goods. Right. And because of that, they commanded a hefty price. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, there was a headline that said, Frazier's purse is still selling. Charlie Frazier's purses are making nice Christmas gifts and selling uh, well for the Dolan Toy Fund. Frazier is the lifer at Angola who sent one of his purses to the Daily World asking for it to be auctioned off for the Catholic Daughters of America. Uh, and as we told you, he, he ended up selling it for 
Uh, in February of 1954, he asked the community of Opelousas to send him birthday cards to celebrate his 64th birthday, even though historical records date him at 59 years old right. at that time. You know, we're, who, who knows? Right. Uh, the public responded, and believe it or not, he got a ton of birthday cards in prison, um, and he was very thankful of that. He wrote a letter to the editor and basically wanted to thank all of those people. Yeah. And so yeah, I'm, I'm going to read it to you. Y'all. Um, it says letter to letters to the editor and it says life for sins. Thanks daily world. I wish to take this means of expressing my thanks and gratitude to the many people who sent me birthday cards on the 13th, which was my 64th birthday <laughs> due to limited writing privileges, I am unable to write each of you a personal letter of thanks for those cards and the happy messages which they brought. I also wish to thank the many people who sent me Christmas cards and wrote many fine letters during Christmas time. I am especially grateful for the spirit for which thy were written. (laughs) Charlie. Fancy words. And last but not least, I wish to thank the Catholic Daughters of America of Opelousas from the depth of my heart for the fine box of homemade candy they had sent me. It was truly the most joyous moment of my entire life when this box of candy was presented to me in the prison by a fine gentleman from Opelousas. <laughs> Respectfully yours, Charlie Frazier's Quarter H2 Angle, Louisiana. Wow. Right, you know. Yeah, so, man, that's legit. <laughs> well, you know, you, you know uh, he's doing his stuff. He's uh, He's got the notoriety, and he's raising the money. Everybody wants a piece of, of the bad guy, right? But in uh, the ladies of the March of Dimes Auxiliary asked Charlie to donate some items for their upcoming auction. And, I bet they did. Right, yeah, <laughs> and Charlie hap- happily obliges. And the purse later sells for $31 or $333 in, in today's value, y'all, to a gentleman from Lake Charles, Louisiana. Crazy. I'd love to have one. I would, too. Yeah. And May of 1954, State Senator John Doles visits Angola. He meets up with the mellowed 64-year-old Fraser. The two meet, met in 1933 when Doles was a teller at the bank in plain dealing. That's in Louisiana, y'all. At that time, Frazier ordered him to hit the floor and Dole obliged. <laughs> Frazier is now working in the first aid room in the prison. The two men were cordial to each other and even joked about their interaction. In July 1955, Frazier receives a pardon from the state of Texas, and I'm not sure why they would do that, but Charlie still has time to fulfill in Louisiana, and and he still wanted in Arkansas, yeah. right? So in 1957, Lenny Pelafigue of Grand Coteau, Louisiana, which is just above Opelousas, is circulating a petition to have Frazier freed. The, the petition in part states how Charlie continues to help support charities with his craftsmanship and his prison record is unblemished, right? Mm. See, he's 64. And Charlie, once again overwhelmed by support of the community, writes another letter to the editor thanking his supporters and seemingly atoning for his sins of the past. 
Yeah, so Charlie is is really people. There's kind of an outpouring from people of support for Charlie in his later years because he's he's doing a lot for charity. He's right. he's talented in in his leather goods, and he's getting up there in age. He's been shot about a hundred times. Yeah, and and I guarantee you, he is loving that attention at this time in his life. Uh, he is sixty seven years old. Um, and, uh, and so he's, he's loving this, you know, he's been looked at as, you know, public enemy number one ever since he was a kid. And this is probably the first time in his life people were showing him positive attention and he was eating it up. And in December of 1957, Charlie, once again, petitions for his release. He said he wanted to show the young people through, uh, his experience that criminals are sorry and miserable a lot. Uh, he claims he won't be a burden to society because he's had uh, many job offers and yeah. could possibly sell the rights to a store. Now, that would I would believe, right. um, which he would donate to charity. He said he spent over 25 years in prison and more than 12 years in solitary confinement, which he claims is more than others serve for a life sentence. He also adds he is the oldest and longest held criminal, which he was at that mm-hmm. time in Angola. Uh, in addition to miserable conditions of solitary, he adds that he suffered from every other known cruelty to mankind, including 11 pistol and rifle wounds. Mm. He claims that none of these wounds were inflicted while attempting to escape. Right. As reported to the public, eh, I have taken all this without a whimper, he said, realizing that I owed an awful debt to society. Now, at this point, he's troubled by failing eyesight. He has become a model prisoner based on even the statements of the warden. And he writes in his plea that many years ago, with deepest regret, I admit to you, to God and all of mankind, that my record was terrible, for which I have suffered the deepest remorseful pain. Sir, 25 years are just my dues, but surely there is a time and circumstance when human rights should supersede legal right. I'm not sour, and I'm not a senile old man in this dotage. Time is gradually running out on me, and I am weary of being confined. In March of 1958, Charlie loses that bid for freedom as the parole board rejects his plea. In spite of the Governor Earl Long supporting the case, saying he thought Frazier had been punished enough. Yes, indeed. And, um... Y'all, in May of 1959, Governor Long finally plans on releasing Frazier, who was now deaf and almost blind. He commuted the sentence to time served and scheduled his release. Still, Charlie was wanted in Arkansas, so he's not 100% free just yet. It was reported um, that months ago, he won a recommendation for clemency from the governor's Forgotten Man Committee. The the committee is made up of prominent citizens, including four former governors, and its purpose is to screen the prisoners to help from overcrowding, Mm -hmm. y'all. And one year after being denied parole, Governor Long commutes Charlie's sentence to time serve, effectively making him a free man as far as Louisiana is concerned. Back to the... Uh, for God Man Committee, the, you know, it was established to study overcrowding and parole and rehabilitation programs. And the committee was made up of a hundred men, and, and like we told y'all, including four governors. 
and it was, it was their recommendation wow. to commute Charlie's sentence, and the governor agreed. Reports say that Charlie had spent more than 40 years in prison, and over the past 10 years, he's been a model prisoner. Most of the recent articles about Frazier only mention the Angola prison break in 1933. It seems that his prior crimes had been lost to time or rendered less severe when compared to the Angola and the death of three prison guards. Crazy. Actually, Arkansas tried to extradite Frazier, and it says, although he's technically free, he will be transferred to Arkansas to stand trial for his charges. But there's no specific mention of Officer Giles' murder, only a reference to killing a peace officer. Regardless, the release is delayed because Charlie is now very ill and is not capable of traveling to Arkansas. And just two months after y'all, after receiving the pardon from Louisiana, Charlie Frazier succumbs to cancer mm. in the radium treatment room of Charity Hospital in New Orleans on July 20th. 1959. And I know y'all are all halfway pulling for him at this point. (laughs) You know? And well, even though Frazier was survived by a brother and a sister, they never contacted officials for his body. Instead, he was claimed by a boyhood friend, Robert L. Bernard, who is now a business executive in New York. It was Bernard who had offered Charlie a job if he were able to win his freedom. He said, Frazier wanted sincerely to accomplish some good before he died. I believed him. In spite of his record, I thought he was a very fine gentleman. Wow. Right? And Bernard took full responsibility for his body and transferred him by train back to Texas. And it was thought that he was cremated, but his headstone is in Restland Memorial Park in Dallas. How about that? I didn't know that. Next time I'm in Dallas, I can right. tell you where I'm going. Right. You gotta, you gotta go take a selfie with that. <laughs> That's it. Hey, this is the baddest dude ever. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I've never heard anybody that escaped that many times. Ever. It's absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. And officer, um, and incidentally, y'all, we have some pictures of his gravestone and all that right. sort of thing that we're going to also put on that patron. Uh, so join the patron. You yes. get all that this thank, thank extra bonus patrons, stuff right. that we uh, that we don't do on a regular uh, broadcast. Officer Giles was the first murder victim for Frazier, but unfortunately not his last. While Charlie was never tried for the murder of Officer Giles, it's clear his life of crime was a miserable one. He died alone and in prison with not even his siblings willing to take custody of his body. Uh, Frazier's life of crime was documented also in an earlier book in 1980 by Peter Tattasall entitled Conviction, a true story. So check that out, but get your uh, wallet ready because it was a very low printing. It's about $300 on eBay because right. I looked it up. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was going to get it till I saw yeah, that no, price. Right. Um, and to tell you a little bit about, of course, all of this and, and anytime we do any story, it's really the victims that we, we want to provide a focus on. Um, hence, Giles, uh, you know, is really the person that that suffered the most, obviously, with his death um, in this story. And after losing both his parents at a young age, uh, um, wait a minute, what is this? Okay, boom. 
Hence, Giles is really the one that that suffered the you know the his family the most in all of this early on in Charlie Fraser. There was a lot of suffering after, right. but in Charlie Fraser's life, and uh, you know he had kids. If you'll remember from when from when he was murdered, um, but Maddie and Virgil, who were were his kids, were back living on the farm. They the aunt and uncle actually ended up raising them. Uh, they lived a good life. Each would later marry and start their own family. And his legacy actually lives on through his grandchildren, great grandchildren and beyond who are many of those still alive. So, uh, glad to hear that. And, and people did, were curious about what happened to those two kids when officer Giles was killed. So, uh, ended up living a good life and having kids and, and all of those sorts of things and moving on from that. He actually has a, uh, and we'll post the picture of his grave site. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful, big, yeah. Monument. Thank you. Um, and on that, uh, monument are the words greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends one of my favorite verses right. of all time it's incredible incredible story i really don't know how this hasn't been made in a series or something but the y'all um specifically for patreon i'm gonna there's a big article it's called life of a bad guy and it details everything when we put that up for Patreon, but I want to read everybody one paragraph out of this about Charlie Frazier. Okay. So it's talking about, um, the charges list besides Charlie Frazier's name. It says besides Charlie Frazier's name is listed. His credits, six kidnappings, 52 major robberies, 17 murders, 18 escapes, and 11 times he was shot. Unbelievable. Right? So the, Unbelievable. And, and this article is, is, is a patron. You're going you're gonna to love it. It just it is like crazy. It really uh, is. And uh, and look, before we get out of here today, uh, what do you, uh, we have quite an episode dropping next week. Holy smokes. Y'all. An interview episode. Holy smokes. This is uh, retired. Law enforcement professional in should we advertise it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think so. um, And and they call him Donald Duck Sharp, but he was he was the chief criminal deputy for St. Tammany uh, Parish Sheriff's Office. But way back in the day, he was instrumental in getting the confession um, from Willie, the, the, the the the. Mm, I don't know. It's, it's not an accurate portrayal. The, 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 basically, it was based on uh, yeah. a care. It was based on uh, Robert Lee Willie right. and another guy, uh, Dead, Man, Dead Walking. Man Walking. Right. So, but this this um, Mr. Sharp is. I'm telling you, <laughs> he's Woody Overton straight up. He went through this whole thing and Willie's life and everything else and his dealings with them. And you just not going to believe it. He didn't use any notes. He was just 
freaking fire. I was like, well, look, I think this is the first episode you and I have ever recorded where it wouldn't say almost anything. Yeah. I mean, he was just rolling. We were like two kids sitting on the floor when daddy's telling them a story. Right. I know. I was like, my <laughs> mouth was hanging open half the time. I'm like, holy shit. Oh, uh, it was and, and, unbelievable. You know, I, um, I knew him during his career, and 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 uh, I couldn't place him at first when I saw him today, and everything. But he's he's thirty five years on the job yeah. and all, and it can tell a story. Can tell a story, and yeah. you will love it. So yeah. tune in for that, and maybe some some future things with that gentleman. Yes. Uh, maybe yes. he'll go on real life, real crime, right, and right. And that, him and Woody can tell he's cop got stories. Some stories, right? Yeah, and, he does. In uh, Patreon. Uh, members, we thank you so much for your support, yeah. and we hope you're enjoying everything that Jim's locking up for you and, and all that. Y'all, please like and share us, and guess what? Saturday night. Saturday night. Saturday night. You know what's Saturday night? Saturday Bloody night. Angola. That's right. Is, is, we'll find out if we win for uh, Best History podcast yep. in the world and a bunch for real life. Real yeah, yeah, we'll see on that. But the um, the bloody Angola, it's the first time being nominated and making the finals. Uh, yeah. We're in the top ten in the world because y'all took the time to vote. It's the People's Choice Awards, oldest ones in the world. We, you know, we're already winners because we have y'all. And, That's right, and, and it doesn't matter if we if we don't take first place. Nah. We already won. That's right. But thank you very much for all your support. Uh, And until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. Your host of Bloody Angola. A podcast 142 years in the making. Complete story of America's bloodiest prison. Peace. Peace. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.